Anna Prelitz is a research fellow at the Department of Politics and International Relations, University of Oxford, and LSE Research Associate. She has written several papers dealing with China influence in the Western Balkans. Today, we are talking to her about dirty Chinese investments in Serbia. So in your paper, you are explaining how in the second half of 2000s, China has become one of the leading investors in Serbia. Can you tell us and explain this close relationship? Why is it that Serbia and China have developed this? And what are the interests of both parties to create this kind of relationship? So the relationship between Serbia and China indeed has been steadily tightening over the past decade, and especially I would say from 2016 onwards. Uh, so it's in 2016 that we had this signing of a comprehensive strategic partnership between these two countries um, that really set the, the tone for, for, the, for the very tight collaboration to come. Uh, as well as then we had a range of other bilateral agreements and initiatives and centers between uh, uh, showing the friendship between the two countries, et cetera, et cetera. So in a way, uh, in the mid to late 2010s, there was a situation in which there was a sudden wake-up call. Um, until then, everybody was preoccupied about Russia's interest in the Balkans. What is Russia up to uh, in the Balkans? Whereas mm-hmm. China has, in a way, more or less silently established itself as the non-Western actor to watch in the Balkans, and especially in Serbia. So why in Serbia? I mean, in Serbia, this uh, uh, tightening of relations was uh, relatively easy because um, really it's key, I would say here, this uh, tight-knit political connections, also at a political level. And in a centralized country such as Serbia is, um, this decision-making functions more easily. And of course, there was a, you know, a joint interest between the two countries. So from the side of, of China, uh, there was a clear interest in establishing um, its hub in the in Central and Eastern Europe and in the Balkans especially. And uh, because, I mean, China has this uh, wider Belt and Road s- strategy that uh, in Central and Eastern Europe takes the form of the 17 plus one initiative. And by finding in Serbia such a reliable partner and indeed, you know, such a large economy by Southeast European standards, China has clearly um, sort of signposted itself in this region and was able to rely on Serbia as its main point of reference in the region. Um, from the Serbian side, on the other hand, there were uh, at least a couple of, uh, of clear interests. So on the one hand, we have this uh, interesting, to say the least, foreign policy of the Serbian government, uh, which was described sometimes as sitting on two stools. But really, it's a multiple stools strategy, if you will, because it fits within uh, President Vucic's strategy on of uh, relying on several friends, both East and West, and playing this Tito after Tito foreign policy strategy. Strategy. And furthermore, it serves um, this political narrative of the Serbian leadership. So by painting um, Serbia's friendship with the uh, other countries as something that the Serbian leadership is able to carry through for the benefit of their population, they're able to present this as a winning narrative, as a, as a victory that uh, Serbia is able to provide, the Serbian leadership is able to provide to its population by extracting dividends from France both to the West and to the East. Now, what I would say is the most worrying element of uh, this um, uh, increased partnership and these projects is that by signing these um, uh, agreements, they uh, set the status of these uh, Chinese projects in Serbia 
to a higher level. So these projects have been elevated to projects of national importance. What does that mean? That means that uh, they are allowed basically to bypass a lot of the rules and regulations that other investors and other projects would have to go through. Which really brings us to this issue of uh, environmental damage. Um, it is this non-transparency of the relationship that has left the space open for a number of troubling practices, including indeed those very deep environmental woes that we've seen happening again and again in several cities and regions of Serbia. Right. So, um, as you mentioned uh, in one of your papers, you actually mentioned that all these uh, Chinese investments in Serbia with this heavy manufacturing industry are impacting environment. And you are actually argue that the responsibility is not only on China as this bad investor, but also of the whole host country, the country that accepts these investments and allows these investors to behave in this way. Can you talk a little bit about how actually this uh, functions in Serbia? How can we see that this is allowed for Chinese investments? Absolutely. So, I mean, the, I think the basic point to start from is um, what I mentioned earlier is this winning narrative of the of the Serbian leadership. I mean, the one element that they've put above all else is this economic victory, the economic lens that was seen as all important for the narrative of success presented by the Serbian leadership. So clearly, when you have the economy trumping everything else, including the environment, including basically the general well-being of citizens, that brings to a situation in which uh, any uh, project that you get in through this vision of uh, the economic gain as all important is uh, basically able to also create environmental problems. So China is definitely a major culprit in the environmental disasters that have piled up um, in Serbia and elsewhere. But you see, in all fairness, it is not the only one. Uh, we've seen recently uh, a lot of controversies about Rio Tinto in Serbia. Uh, we see sometimes, you know, car manufacturers, for instance, from Germany, who are not able to um, to carry out the work uh, in their home country uh, in a way that is uh, um, abiding by their, their laws and regulations, and they come to Serbia uh, or to other countries that allow for these practices to happen to function in a way that is less transparent and less environmentally friendly. So the issue you know, at the forefront is that when you create the opportunity for uh, people and for firms to abuse of your laws and regulations, when you create the opportunity for environmental disasters to occur, then you know everybody who has an interest in doing so will take advantage of it. That is why I think that rather than thinking about China as this bad investor, rather than thinking about China about you know about its malign influence, which for sure exists, uh, but the key issue here is that it's better to think about this as a synergy of failures. So we have on the one hand, uh, you know, the home country Serbia in this case, which is the biggest culprit because it allows it. Uh, then we have China, you know, which is not caring about environmental standards so much. And uh, we also have, to a certain extent, uh, some EU actors who have often turned a blind eye. So the situation is more complex than just uh, China doing bad things in the Balkans. Well, let's talk about that uh, EU uh, part of the puzzle. So uh, in Serbian sessions, a session towards EU, these environmental concerns are in many respects in conflict with 
Serbia's ambitions towards EU. And you have uh, argued that uh, some EU uh, policies have been slow or that they are not that that they are not really too positive when it comes to Serbia's um, deals with China. How do you see this? Uh, why is EU um, potentially slow in reacting or realizing what is happening in Serbia? Uh, yes, I do believe that the position of the EU was too lenient and then to some extent turning a blind eye to the environmental problems that were happening in um, in candidate countries such as Serbia. Um, so in my view, so far, uh, the European Union uh, and the European Commission uh, most uh, specifically have looked away from these issues um, for three main reasons. So on the one hand, we have a reason of a technical nature. Um, in Serbia, Chapter 27, which relates to this environmental issue, has not been open yet. Um, so, you know, from a very technical point of view, the European Union was not so pressed to uh, speak out about, about these matters. Uh, then second is a, is a consideration of a practical nature. So, you know, clearly this trade-off between creating more um, employment, creating more jobs through investments and bringing more money in uh, and the environmental standards is something that the European Union is aware of. And uh, in recent times, the EU did not commit significantly more money into the uh, EU accession process. So therefore, they were not in a strong enough position to demand for accession countries to renounce investment from non-EU actors. And third, I would say it's, it was a, an issue that relates really to the narrative. So simply um, the environmental concerns were not such a hot topic in uh, the whole EU enlargement uh, process until recently. Um, so in fact, there was no, if you wish, you know, there was no environmental conditionality, um, whereas we have very often talked about and we still talk about conditionality in the realm of rule of law, for instance. But the environment is something that has become a hot topic uh, only recently. And I think it's really, really remarkable that um, those who have made it become a hot topic um, in, uh, you know, in candidate countries such as Serbia are indeed the activists and really the citizens of these places. And with that, uh, we've seen that some actors within the EU, the EU being, of course, not this, uh, you know, um, unified uh, um, actor, but really um, uh, um, a construct that, that has a lot of, uh, of different actors within it. So we've seen some um, uh, EU actors, such as uh, uh, MEPs, member, members of the European Parliament, uh, calling out such practices, uh, for instance, through a letter to a commissioner in, in charge of enlargement, Oliver Varheli. And we see that, you know, step by step, uh, this issue of environmental uh, problems has become very important in the EU enlargement process as well. So I think we will see, uh, I, I think and I hope uh, that we will see a more forceful stance of the EU going forward in this sense. Right, but do you think that Serbia, with all these investments, especially the ones in Bor and in Smederevo, which are pretty much strategical investments for Serbian economy, has gone maybe too far with China? And when this process of Chapter 27 and all these environmental issues is open, would it be possible for Serbia to actually achieve these goals? 
So I'm not an expert in, uh, um, in the environment more specifically, but those people who are experts who I've interviewed for my studies um, are certainly very, very worried about that. And they indeed say that um, um, Serbia has uh, lost a lot of time uh, pursuing more uh, economic profit rather than um, working towards good environmental standards and that this has sort of uh, made them miss the, um, the boat uh, in terms of uh, um, really getting, you know, on a, on, a, on a good footing in terms of uh, uh, getting their house in place uh, uh, in terms of the environment. So I would say that certainly, you know, the more Serbia continues with the mantra of uh, economy first, the further it will get from, from these targets going forward. Yeah, and you mentioned actually that citizens and activists are the ones who actually put this topic on the table now for Serbia. And when I talked to them, many of them had really or are still having these hopes um, looking towards EU to help them, to make some kind of pressure towards mm -hmm. Serbian government because they have lost all the faith inside of the local governments, which are completely devoted to these investments and Serbian government, which presents this project as national interest project. So do you think these activists are hoping in vain or can actually you do something? And what kind of pressure can we expect in the future? Yes, this is certainly a burning issue because uh, unfortunately with uh, several uh, occasions lost uh, by the European Union to show that uh, they're giving really clear rewards to a meaningful process in the Western Balkans, the European Union has, in a certain way, been losing some of those champions of EU values in, in the Western Balkans. So this is an ongoing issue, both in Serbia and, and wider. Um, what I say, you know, when, when, when we say that the European Union should act on, is, uh, on, on this issue, not only out of selfless considerations, is also because obviously, um, A, these are countries that are supposed to enter the European Union at a certain point, at least uh, in theory. Uh, but second, also because the um, pollution that's been creating in the Western Balkans is so huge that it has been affecting neighboring EU countries as well. Uh, so really, um, it is an issue on which every day lost to work on it is a, is a, is a very, very big damage for, for the populations of the EU session countries and of EU member states uh, as well. Okay, I...